Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday. And a big thanks to Kusha's Bayou Rouge, who allows us to bring this program your way commercial free. In business over 16 years here in Tallahassee, tabbed best of Tallahassee by Tallahassee Magazine four straight years, Tommy, and six out of the last seven. And I got to set the record straight here. So I married into uh, somebody from New Orleans. Outkicked my coverage, as many of us did. It's not about temperature. Is that where you're going? It, it is, because I think there's a, a misnomer out there that Cajun food means it's hot, and it doesn't. What it means is it's flavorful, and it's doggone good. And trust me, I spent a lot of time, because of said wife, Laura, who is from New Orleans, uh, at Kusha's Bayou Rouge. So I encourage you guys to do the same, and uh, they're open seven days a week. Have breakfast uh, Wednesday through Sunday. I get there often with my son, Garrett. You should go as well. Make it a Sunday staple. That's what the uh, FSU football coaching staff has done. Matter of fact, Kusha's caters for the coaching staff uh, every Sunday during this football season. They break down the tape and get set for uh, the next opponent. So, again, thanks to Kusha's. They are on Thomasville Road at, on the west side just past Cary Forest. Now, with that said, here's Front Row Knowles. Seminal Sunday. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles, Seminal Sunday with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Front Row Knowles, Seminal Sunday. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you, and finally, it is a Seminal Sunday, although... <laughs> By, by the skin of, the, of its teeth, Florida State polls went out yesterday at Wake Forest. We obviously will spend the next hour dissecting it. Uh, Keith, let's start with the good. Uh, Auden Tate wasn't out there long, but uh, that was that was he, he maximized his uh, time on the field. Let's put, just put it that way and bailed Florida State out. By, by our count, he was on the field for four times, maybe five. Uh, he was targeted three times and caught two, maybe targeted just two and caught two. Uh, so from a, a performance standpoint, uh, he fit the bill. Uh, he was a little, uh, as most of our folks will know, a little under the weather, if you will, with that AC shoulder uh, issue. Uh, but it uh, didn't keep him from uh, catching what might be, at least at this point, the biggest catch of the year. Because uh, certainly Florida State uh, and Florida State faithful were not wanting to look at FSU starting this year at 0-3. No, so they're one and two right now, and it's Miami week. So uh, this week will be spent, I'm sure, much more looking ahead and talking about Miami than it will be dissecting what went wrong. But uh, for now, we'll dissect uh, this game. And uh, you know, Keith, it was like like most games. It was it was clearly a mixed bag. I mean, the offense struggled for the most part. But having said that, you get a, a big throw and catch late. Jacquez Patrick runs for over 100 yards. The defense did give up some yards and gave up a couple of big third downs, but also uh, did make some plays and, and, and force a lot of three and outs. And then special teams, you had some good returns, you had some good punch, you had good field goal kicking, but you also had to spend two timeouts to get lined up right on punts. And had a 10-yard punt. And had a kickoff return for a touchdown to open the game that was negated. So, uh, mixed bag is about what I could call that. Well, two things. Number one, uh, we talked all during the week, and I think most everyone realized that it wasn't going to be a very pretty game. Uh, Florida State has always struggled uh, for the most part, not all the time, but for the most part at Winston-Salem. Uh, so, you, you just didn't have a good feeling about it being a, a picturesque type of, uh, of game. It was going to be a close game. And number two, you just wanted to win. You just had to win. And whether it's uh, 26-19 or if it had been 3-2, to two, I don't think it mattered. So uh, I hear what you're saying, and I echo that there may not be a lot of film study spent 
on uh, Wake Forest that uh, attention will immediately turn to the Hurricanes, particularly uh, based on what you and I saw on Friday night uh, that Miami was able to do with a pretty good Duke team. So it's going to be an interesting week, a great ball game next Saturday. You know, thinking about what we predicted for this game ahead of time, I think I picked the same score as last time FSU was up there, which was 24-16. I think that was the same score as two years ago. And you picked somewhere in that ballpark. 21-14, something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, and most people I talked to kind of had a similar score. Maybe what we didn't project is that Florida State would have to come from behind to do it. Uh, It's a little bit... uh, less nerve-wracking if you're doing it from ahead. Um, Here's a point. We'll listen to Jimbo Fisher here momentarily. Florida State was really fortunate, in my opinion, that that game did not go to overtime because FSU is not good in the red zone, as good as what they want to be. Wake Forest is very good in the red zone, and the way college overtime is set up, you're basically playing red zone offense against one another. Very much so. Uh, And you and I were were talking off the air. Um, We have a little back channel, folks, that uh, Tom and I can communicate on during the game. And uh, you you brought that up, and I echoed immediately uh, for two reasons. Number one, uh, Florida State's defense had gotten gassed. Uh, that defensive unit was was reeling a little bit. Uh, they they found a way to come up with uh, some big plays uh, there in the tail end of the ball game, but uh, they were gassed. And number two, echo, echoing your point, uh, this is a very good red zone system that Clawson has with this Wake Forest team, and that would have been a, an adventure I didn't want to go down. All right, let's listen to the head coach, Jimbo Fisher, gets uh, a win over Wake Forest, Florida State's first win here in 2017. This was his reaction after the game last night, and the uh, audio is courtesy of Seminoles.com. Heck of a game. Uh, you have, uh, Wake Forest got a heck of a team, played very well, did a great job on defense, played very hard, quarterback makes plays, their backs, their scheme, tight end, the receivers made big catches and throws, and it was a heck of a football game. I mean, it was. It was just two teams that fought very hard. Uh, we played well at times. We didn't play well at times. We had some nice drives, but we had too many critical penalties at critical times that we had a kickoff return call back. Had a big screen right in the second drive right there. We're going to cross midfield and have a chance to really get a good drive. Uh, had some nice gains, and we gave up too many negative plays, too many penetrations in the backfield, running the ball, and some things. We'll look at what, what that was. Uh, had the big touchdown call back. We scored in the first great drive of the second half. Over, I mean, had a lot of third down convert play. Did a heck of a job in that group and got it in there and scored and then got a penalty right there. I think it was a holding call. Uh, got it back. and then uh, But, you know, we kicked the ball well. Ricky kicked it well. We had all the – our punts were well except for the first punt. He shanked one punt. The rest of them he hit really well. Gave up cover. He hit one so deep right there. We got spread out in the coverage a little bit. They got us back on that one on the return. But our kids really fought. They competed in the game and going back to learning how to win and learning how to make that one more play. And they did. It was great, great throw and catch at the end by Auden and, and James to, to get us over the hump. And we made the play and, uh, and got a win. So we got a lot of work to do. Like you said, we're a ton of work to do in a lot of areas. But uh, proud of our guys, the way they competed, and we did a good job and won the football. Again, thanks to Seminoles.com. You can go there uh, right now for complete coverage and uh, a lot more interviews uh, and reaction from yesterday's win in Winston-Salem. What did you think about the the end game management? It obviously worked out for Jimbo, but you had a fourth and one at Wake Forest 39-yard line and opted to punt the ball. Now, as it turned out, you had your three timeouts, you got the ball back, and you got a chance to go with Tate. I think what controlled that more than anything and swayed Jimbo's decision more than anything was he had all three timeouts. 
you know, the last couple of games, NC State and, and Alabama, uh, in the second half, he's had to had to use timeouts or blow timeouts uh, for things unrelated to in-half uh, performance. I think that's the biggest factor uh, that played into it. The other thing that played into it is either two or three series leading up to that. It must have been just two because uh, this became the third. The defense had had a three and out uh, on consecutive uh, possessions, and he made the comment in the post game that he felt very comfortable uh, that the defense would be able to hold them, particularly as they were backed up, and then in a combination of those uh, timeouts. And of course, Wake Forest uh, did Florida State a favor on that third down play uh, when they uh, attempted a pass, and it was incomplete. Right, and that stopped the clock, allowing Florida State to keep one of those timeouts in case they needed it on offense. Well, the other thing that played into his decision-making is that uh, there were so many plays that went for negative yardage for FSU that if you don't get it on fourth and one, then Wake Forest basically has to go 25 yards and they're in field goal range to kick a game-winning field goal. So works out for FSU. There's uh, some other interesting things to talk about, and we'll, we'll get to, to the offense next segment and the defense uh, after that. A targeting call that goes Florida State's way. How about that? And, and, and watching it live, and this is, the, this is the problem with trying to be an official and call it live, and it was the same way with the Nigel Bradham hit years ago. You watch it live, there's no way. That it looked you, bad. It looked bad. It looked bad. And so, sure, then we watched the replay, and it, they got the call right because it was his shoulder, and he didn't hit him in the head. He hit hit, hit lower. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I, haven't, I have never sat down and talked with Derwin about um, his thought process in, in hitting people because obviously he is a big hitter. So he's a guy when, when three's out there, uh, particularly in open space and a thrown ball, uh, you, you're going to be looking for him to, to create some havoc. Uh, that's why when that play happened and, and you first immediately identified it as Derwin, you went, oh my gosh. But if you go back and look at the actual replay, and, and they had a couple of pretty nice angles, uh, which obviously is part of the reason why they picked the, uh, well, they, they did not invoke the, the target penalty. Um, he did duck his shoulder and he got his head out of the way. I, I think that's a learned behavior. I think you can teach kids to do that and to keep them from leading with the crown. And you can also lower their 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 point of attack so that when that ball carrier or when that uh, receiver does dip down, which they always do, you know, you, you, you got there low enough. And uh, fortunately for Florida State in that particular replay, it, it worked out in their favor. Oh, by the way, uh, had Derwin been tossed for the game, he wouldn't have been around on the last play of the game where he's the one that stripped the ball out of the receiver's hands which with uh, for what would have been a game-tying touchdown. All right, more on the offense and defense coming up uh, in, in a little bit. I do need to uh, send a shout-out to our good friends at Kush's and uh, thank them for being a part of the show and uh, bringing it to each and every Sunday. They are located on Thomasville Road just past Cary Forest. They've got a new location coming into College Town soon. Uh, they have a great Sunday uh, brunch going on. Uh, matter of fact, uh, the Block family uh, had Sunday brunch there last Sunday, as I think about it. So I uh, encourage you to go down. Tell Koosh that uh, we said uh, to pay him a visit. Always ask for the muffins. There you go. Sometimes the muffins are sold out. Sometimes they're gone. But always ask for the muffins because if there are some there, it's worth the trip. All right, we will uh, take a break, come back, and we'll talk offense first since the offense uh, made the big play at the end to win it as we are just getting started here on Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday. 
Front Row Knowles. Seminole Sunday is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Tom and Keith back with you on uh, Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday, and KJ. The final score is is what people... uh, is really what the takeaway is for this because there's there's a lot to clean up here still. So let's talk about the quarterback. Last week uh, when Florida State lost to NC State, the general consensus was uh, they didn't lose because of anything James Blackman did. But had Florida State lost yesterday, we would have looked at it and said, well, where did the passing game go? Because it was a struggle to to complete a forward pass for much of that game. First half, I think uh, Blackman was five of seven for seven yards. Right. And uh, there just wasn't anything happening. Uh, I don't know if that's a product of Jimbo. Uh, and, and the way the Demon Dinkins were playing Florida State, Florida State needed to take some shots down the field. In order to take some shots down the field, he was going to have to have uh, James in, in, in a shotgun or pistol and, and drop him back another four or five yards. Mm-hmm. In other words, you got to give time for those routes to develop. I don't know if Jimbo was uh, scared is not the right word, but I don't know if it didn't fit into his plan to put James in that position and therefore he didn't take the shots. He began taking some in the second half and that opened things up a little bit. Uh, but the real problem in the first half was a combination of two things. Number one, the offensive line was getting nicked up. You had some kids that went down and went out and um, it didn't come back and when they did come back they worked quite as effective and it also required the shifting around of some kids um, when when individuals got hurt because four of the five starting linemen at some point in time went out of the Wake Forest game and secondly they didn't play well and and is that a combination of them being injured and and being out or is that a combination of of Wake's scheme or is that a combination of our offensive line is just not performing this year and and probably somewhere in that Mix is the real answer. Well, and another factor in there is, and it has to do with the vertical passing game, but Auden Tate makes a difference. I mean, I think you can make a, a pretty strong argument that if he doesn't get hurt against NC State, that they move the ball a little bit better in the second half, and maybe that result is different. Clearly, they moved the ball and made the play they needed to when he was out there uh, as he got the game winner. But to your point about the offensive line, yeah, Derek Kelly went out very early, maybe even the first series. That was a knee. Uh, Cole Minshew. Uh, missed a couple of series, I think, or Landon Dickerson definitely did, and Minshew, and then Rick Leonard, two of those three guys, are it's high ankle sprains too, so that may not bode well this week. We'll just have to see, but they gutted it out. Eberly was the only one who was unscathed. And Florida State uh, attempted, uh, what, officially 18 passes in the ballgame? Uh, 21. Were five, 11, 21 passes. 11 for 21. 21 passes, and there were five sacks. So technically, that's 26 passes. How many rushing attempts? Uh, Rushing attempts here, we had uh, 38. I think think it might even have been over 40. Point being, I like... Yeah, with the sacks. 38 called runs, 43 officially because of five sacks. I like that mix against Wake Forest. You know, I was like, uh, it was, you know, three, three-fifths, 60% run, 40% pass versus NC State when we were about two-thirds pass, one-third run. Right. Um, I think that gives Blackman the opportunity to settle in a little bit. I think it gives the offensive line to get some confidence. I like that aspect of the play calling. So we can be critical that Jimbo didn't go down the field early. He waited until the second half. But at the same time, I like the mix of the calls. The one thing that's interesting about the receiver 
receivers as I see it right now. And you're exactly right about Alden Tate. And he played very little, if at all, in the first half. You know, you, you Campbell had that big catch against NC State. We had two drops in this ball game. Now, now they were tough catches, but there were two drops. I don't know where Nooney is. I don't know where his head is. I don't know where his body is. I don't know what what uh, Nyquan's doing. Uh, but he has obviously gotten himself in Jimbo's doghouse, and there is nothing directed his way. And and I I, I put that on the player. I don't put that on the coach. We saw last year. Florida State uh, hesitant to play Nooney, and come to find out it was because he didn't know what he was doing and couldn't get lined up right. Something else has happened now. Well, well, let me ask you this: in, in defense of Nooney, in this case, it it seems like you know they didn't do much over the middle with what Blackman was throwing at all. I mean, Izzo, I don't was Izzo even targeted? I don't recall him being targeted. So what I'm saying is maybe it's a little more confusing for Blackman to throw, and maybe it had to do with Wake's scheme compared to vertical routes where you can see it's one on one or some out patterns. But it, it could be, and and obviously Jimbo would not admit that because you don't want Miami right. understanding what you're taking away right. or not attempting to do. But at the same time, I, I am concerned about. Um, the receivers as it relates to uh, Campbell again had a couple of times to step up and make some plays with Tate out he didn't Nyquan's doing whatever he's doing and not getting targeted and and we're not seeing Izzo or or Saunders being thrown to I just think there's uh, needs to be some rethinking about how they're attacking the, the passing game you can say, and uh, we get into the, the snake bit sort of thing here, but if you, when you went into this season and you looked at it and you talk about depth concerns, well, the one position you really knew you didn't have great depth was quarterback, and you lost your starting quarterback. Uh, another area offensively where you said if everybody stayed healthy, you'd probably be all right, and that's receiver. Well, Auden Tate's been out. On the offensive line, you've got better depth at the guard position than at tackle, and so who goes out but a tackle? And it's just been that kind of year. That's the way it's unfolded. All right, so Auden Tate, though, he a slight AC separation. He practiced some this week. Jimbo had uh, listed him as day-to-day. Uh, obviously, he did go for a handful of plays. Uh, they put him in there late, and he got a seven-yard catch. And then your thoughts on the on the design and the first down call to throw that right after they got the ball back. They, they had It was a little bit of a waggle, a little bit of a boot. Uh, Florida State was working uh, right to left as you were looking at it. So they was going to the offense's right or up to the top of the field, as we like to say. And, and there were three receivers running uh, parallel routes, short, medium, and deep. And and Blackman uh, was a little bit hurried out of the pocket, maybe a little quicker than he wanted to, but it was designed to get him outside to roll a little bit. Hmm. He went one, covered, two covered, and he had Tate on the what Jimbo calls the backside, right. which was a, a long post pattern all the way across the field. And he just planted his foot and, and threw it. Uh, and it was a perfect read. It was a perfect throw. It was a 40-yard touchdown pass. The DB made a great play on the ball. Tate almost had that ball stripped out of his hands, uh, but he, he held on to it. Uh, I like the call. I like the progression. I like the delivery, and obviously you, you love the result. We love it so much. We're going to hear from Auden Tate right now. This is courtesy of Seminoles.com. You no, know, it was just, you know, just like a uh, – I don't really know how to describe it. I'm at loss of words really right now, but, you know, it was just – Post route, and, you know, Jay Black going through his reads, and, you know, he saw me last second. He just put the ball exactly where it needed to be. I just went and got it. I guess how much pain and discomfort were you were you in tonight, you know, being able to play some minimal plays? Oh, I was I was in a lot of play, a lot of pain. At first, I didn't really know if I was going to be able to go, but, you know, 
you know, things just happen, you know, you just got to adjust to it, you know, but, you know, we got through it. I noticed in the fourth quarter you made sure you're out there. Was that was that you, the coaches, or saying that, that you need to be out there, or were you like, I need to be out there? Right, right? Oh, yeah, that was the winning time. You know, I just felt like I needed to be out there at that point. You know, it was just win and go home right there. I, mean, I didn't want to start 0-3, so I didn't want no regrets at the end of the game, so I just went in. How big was this win just for the team overall? It's real big because, you know, it kind of gives us, you know, you know we started off the season 0-2, but it kind of gives us a kind of a, a clean slate, you know, just to build momentum off and just going to Miami week, knowing we got a win, get just build on that momentum. So Tate delivers the game winner, and it was uh, sort of like, the you know, the court came out of the bottle there, the reaction on the Seminole sideline because, uh, you know, 0-2, hard to come to grips with. The thought of 0-3, I don't know where we'd all be right now if that was the case. And it doesn't mean that there's not a lot of warts. There are. But you have a chance this week now to, you know, if you can, obviously they'll be fo- I mean, they'll be focused and motivated and up for the Miami game. If you win that game, that, that's against a highly ranked team, and you're now you're 2-2 two and two and you're kind of headed the right direction. You're back at home. You're playing a rival. Uh, your head coach has not lost to them, uh, which means none of you have lost to them. Uh, all these kids know each other. All the Florida kids, they're very well aware of each other. They played against each other and with each other. Uh, having won the ball game, and you, you and I have been working together for a couple of decades now. You've heard me say this so many times, you're going to roll your eyes, but you know, winning solves all problems. You know, once you once you start getting those wins and you get on a little bit of a roll, then those warts can be ignored a little bit. And uh, Florida State got that first step. Uh, I'm a, I'm interested and excited to see how they perform. And I'll also tell you this: Jimbo, as a as a play caller, has a tendency to do uh, find a way to 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 do a much better job in the bigger games. I, I don't I don't mean to to slight. Wake Forest in any way, shape, form, or fashion, or even an NC State. But when it comes time to he's a big been, game, he's he obviously he's unbeaten against Miami. He's been really good against Miami in that scenario. And he he just finds a way to to put together and to make calls that put his team in the best place, the best advantage to win. And and like I say, he's undefeated as a head coach against the Hurricanes. All right, still more to uh, hash out about this Wake Forest game, though. We'll turn our attention to the defensive side of the ball when we come back on Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Florida State, a winner on the road in Winston-Salem. It's always dicey up there, KJ, at... uh, I mean, even in the 90s when Florida State was running through the ACC, they'd go up there. It was, you know, long before the current staff, the current field, and guys would tear ACL. It was just, there's just rarely been a great experience up at Wake Forest, save for the 2013 season. This is two straight years up there, or two straight trips up there, that Wake has had a throw into the end zone to tie the game at the end of the fourth quarter. It's just the way the series has progressed, um, and you're exactly right. There were times when you know you saw Wake Forest, and you knew that it was going to be a big margin of victory. There was a time in uh, 06, 07, 08, I think, when Wake Forest won three in a row, uh, and then as you've mentioned, the last couple of trips to Winston Salem have just been been dog fights. Uh, I think that's more of a credit to Wake Forest and the development of their program than it necessarily is a negative to Florida State. Uh, I do know one thing: the 
offense that Wake Forest runs, I compare it to Georgia Tech's. Uh, Georgia Tech runs the triple option. Well, Wake Forest runs that RPO uh, as good and more often than anybody else that Florida State plays. Normally, when you run that run-pass option, you put that ball in the belly of a back, you pull it up, quarterback can run or pass, and you normally throw the ball outside, you know, an out route mm-hmm. or something like that. No, Wake Forest will go over the middle for 25 yards. They have a great tight end. They had that little scat back, number 89, that uh, Dorch, that uh, could work well in traffic, and, and it's a very hard defense to defend. Uh, they got their yardage. They scored some points. You're not going to shut it down. And I don't know what it is about the pipeline that Wake Forest has to Jacksonville, but uh, Walford, uh, Walford is the third or fourth quarterback out of Jacksonville that has had big numbers while being at Wake Forest, particularly against Florida State. This was the third time he's played against FSU, far and away his best performance. I thought he looked really good. We talked leading up to it. He had not had good – he had 20 carries in two games for minus two yards against Florida State. Yesterday he had 19 carries for 63 yards, uh, which of course includes the, the sack yardage or the tackle for loss yardage there. But he made some big plays. I mean, he had a Houdini-like play where he escaped and he hits the tight end. Um, the, the one schematic change that it seemed like Florida State made was uh, maybe in the second quarter, because if you look at it, so Florida State jumps out 3 nothing, then you're 3-3, three, three, then you're 6-3, you wind up 12-3. Wake went three drives in a row there and got points. And then FSU, the rest of the game, held them without points, save for the one touchdown drive. And I don't have the drive chart in front of me, but that's probably seven possessions. Maybe the oh, le- and maybe ten possessions. Maybe, maybe seven to nine possessions. Because they had the ball like seven times in the second half, so you're, you're counting maybe one or two or three at the tail end of the first as well. And that's when it seemed like they, they switched and maybe they went to more man coverage and it, it, they got a little bit better defensively. What did you see from up top? Well, they did go to more man coverage. The other thing is in the first half, remember you didn't have Jacob Pugh. Uh, you had Matthew Thomas, who ended up being the leading tackler, uh, and I didn't uh, look at his participation uh, in the first half, but I know they eased him back in, I would think, a little uh, easily. Roderick Hoskins uh, did not dress. Uh, he did not play. Uh, so you're playing some kids a number of snaps or a greater number of snaps than they were used to, and it took them you know, those series to kind of get back into the flow. There's a lot of people who are going to continue to look at this defense and point fingers and call out names and call for heads to roll. Uh, The problem with all that is that this defense uh, hasn't been full strength doing what it does best uh, for much of the year. Uh, they were for the for the Alabama game, NC State. Uh, they just didn't perform well. Most of the first half, they didn't perform well against Wake. Uh, much better in the second half. Uh, I think it's just. A, a, I think the kids just need to get out there and get some reps, and they need to play. And as we mentioned, this Wake Forest offense, again, like the Georgia Tech offense, is something you just don't routinely see, and it's very difficult to prepare for, and obviously very difficult to to defend. One bit of good news on top of the win, Florida State forced a couple of turnovers yesterday, and Kyle Myers was involved in both of them. So it took to game three of the year for Florida State's defense to get a pick and a fumble recovery. Uh, Kyle was one of the stars defensively yesterday, played a lot, obviously, uh, in his role for this FSU defense. Let's listen in to uh, what he had to say after the game, and this is courtesy of Seminoles.com. Oh, it's big, man. You know, it's going to be a great buzz around Tallahassee this week. We were so excited to get a win. You know, we just taking it one game at a time now. 
with that final defense and, you know, the final stop in the fourth quarter, just how big was it for your guys' confidence after, not, you know, you, you guys didn't play a great game, but that got that final defensive stop, led to the touchdown, got the win? Oh, we know uh, defensively it was going to come down to us to make a play, make plays. You know, we uh, we practiced real well this week, so we just came out and execute, did what Coach told us. What do you think, you know, that defensive stop does for your guys' confidence going forward? Oh, we know in close games that we, we could we could we could stop offense. Do you guys like the fact that Jimbo punted? He had the trust in you guys to. Oh yeah, stop him? definitely. You know, defense is a the big big unit in this team. You know, and we uh we was happy Jimbo trusted us. You know, we had to make a stop, and I'm glad we was able to execute. As far as your interception and the forced fumble, go through those plays and how big were those turnovers, especially the interception momentum-wise? Uh, man, it was just being out there, man. Uh, we needed that dog. We needed turnovers. You know, we haven't got one all year, and we was just itching for it, man. We was fighting for it, and uh, I'm glad I was able to make plays for this defense and this team. What kind of a change in the locker room was there after getting the victory? I mean, what does that do for this team? Oh, it's big, man. You know, we're taking it one game at a time. You know, uh, we just listening to coaching and uh, practicing and executing, and this win is big for us. Again, thanks to Seminoles.com for uh, complete Florida State coverage. Log on. They've got much more coverage of yesterday's win, and, of course, we'll uh, lead you up to the Miami game this week. But uh, that was big for big for Kyle and the defense to get a couple of turnovers. Hard to believe that, that as you go into the Wake Forest game, you're 130th in the country in takeaways. Uh, and, and the reason for that is you had none. Uh, and uh, sometimes just getting that first one can lead to some other things happening. Obviously, uh, Florida State faithful will will jump up and down and say that uh, Derwin James had an interception against NC State. Uh, it was nullified by, a, a, we'll just say, a phantom of some sort uh, pass interference call. Uh, but finally, they do get a turnover, and uh, Florida State hasn't given this offense many short field opportunities, uh, which is always something that uh, you know the the Florida State offenses have enjoyed in years past because of their defensive performance, uh, but I think it'll continue to improve. And I think going into the Miami game, although Miami, much better talent, uh, Rozier is playing very, very well. They've got a great back, um, but Miami's more of a conventional offense. They don't do a lot of the uh, unusual things. They don't do a lot of up-tempo, and that's just a formula that Florida State's defense just appears to, to respond better to. Uh, so in that regard, uh, I think the Miami matchup uh, plays into Coach Kelly's and his scheme and style and these kids' uh, understanding of what they need to do a little better. Yeah, and we'll have plenty of time to dissect the Miami matchup on uh, Wednesday on our, our regular weekly edition, year-round edition of Front Row Knowles. Uh, anything else that sticks out defensively, Wake was 4 of 14 on third downs, and there were several three-and-out series that Florida State's defense forced there. Well, that, that was the point that was encouraging. We've mentioned that in the second half, I think there were three consecutive three-and-outs before the last possession that Wake had the ball. There were a couple of uh, three-and-outs in the first half, to, uh, probably in the second quarter. Uh, I think if you go back and look at the drive charts, they may have had five, maybe six uh, three-and-outs, which is certainly an improvement. You mentioned the third downs. Uh, unlike the NC State game, when, when you had to have a stop on third down and you didn't get it, in the Wake game, you got it. Uh, and that was encouraging, and, and you know I think you'll take four or fourteen uh, for a team uh, for a game in, in any scenario. Uh, Florida State controlled the clock, which meant their defense wasn't uh, out on the field as much. Although, as we've mentioned, uh, they were quite a bit in that fourth quarter, and they were a little bit gassed. And that that going into overtime was was 
was certainly not something that, that you and I felt would have been to Florida State's advantage. Um, still got to find a way to make some plays. Still got to find a way to uh, continue to get off the field on third down. Uh, still got to find a way to play up to the expectation that everyone has uh, based on the talent of this squad. Uh, we're three games in. Uh, you usually judge kids and teams by what they do over the course of a ball game, uh, season rather, uh, but certainly a little bit of an encouragement uh, and, a, and a big test coming up against Miami. No question about that. Uh, and that uh, game kicks off at 3.30 this week at Doe Campbell Stadium. Uh, I mentioned again, thank you to Kushis for being uh, one of the big sponsors of Front Row Knoll's Seminole Sunday. They are coming soon to College Town and Madison Street, which uh, will be a tremendous addition to that area, uh, to what's already a, a great area around campus and around the stadium. Uh, they serve brunch five days a week, Wednesday through Sunday, but they're open uh, seven days a week. They are kid-friendly. Uh, I take my kids there all the time, so I encourage you to uh, head on down to Kusha's and uh, enjoy a good time. We'll come back, put the wraps on Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday right after this. Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Time for our final segment here, Keith, where we just kind of uh, jump all over the place and catch up on things we missed. Uh, I want to start with special teams real quick because late in the game, when it looked like Florida State failed to send somebody out to return a punt, I just want to clarify that a little bit because I happen to be standing there and watch it. Uh, McFadden had a contact pop out. I guess he wears contacts. This was what it appeared to be. He came out. He couldn't see. So he was not going to go back and field a punt. But uh, So he wasn't hurt. In, in retrospect, I guess you probably could take a knee there like you are hurt so that you'd have time to put somebody out. But anyway, that's why DJ Matthews scrambled onto the field and was the one who fielded that punt. The kick returns, uh, I mean, you have to be really pleased with what Obviously, Derwins was called back, but you see, you know, we, we know the ability there. But Gavin, now that that was a pretty nice return in a pretty big spot that helped uh, turn the momentum a little bit for Florida State at a time when they were reeling in the second quarter. Very much so, and uh, no bust in punt coverage, no bust in your own kickoff returns. In fact, uh, they chose to kick the ball short a couple of times, and uh, at least on one of them, and maybe both, uh, actually got Wake Forest down inside the 25-yard line, remembering that the ball once it goes into the end zone comes out to the 25. Uh, so when you put them inside the 25, you, you check that as an obvious positive. Um, uh, Tyler continues to uh, uh, make things interesting. Uh, had a 10-yard punt. Uh, had a roughing the kicker call against Wake Forest. Uh, if that punt had uh, held, it was a 15-yard punt. Um, but he also had a 57 and a 53, I think, in the ball game. Uh, he changed his style a little bit. I don't know that we'll see that going forward. I don't know. Um, a little more rugby style. Not true rugby where you run six or eight right. feet. But he just kind of turned to his left, took a couple of steps, and then kicked it rugby style. Uh, seemed to turn out well. Uh, and so maybe we'll see more of that. But obviously continued attention on the, on the special teams is needed. And uh, you, you've got to be sound uh, against Miami, I don't think we need to go into wide rights and wide lefts and 
Miami losing the ball game because they muffed a, 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 a field goal attempt. Uh, sometimes that just comes into play in the Miami series. Well, Florida State's kicker has been good. I know he missed one last week against NC State early on, but I mean, uh, he went four for five last week, four for four yesterday. So you got to tip your cap to him. And all there. four of those, uh, from, from the way I saw them, they were no doubters. No, they were no doubters. And I uh, generally, when I'm on the sideline, I try to move right behind behind the goalpost because obviously, if you're standing on the sideline, it's hard to tell how close was it. So I get right under there. Uh, behind the crossbar and take a look at uh, you know which upright it is, but he, he, he split the middle pretty good on all four of those. I do think that, that one of the things Jimbo would tell you is that for whatever reason, combina- combination of reasons, Florida State's drives, if you go back and look at the drive charts, uh, you know they're starting backed up uh, a lot. They started backed up a lot in, in, the, in the Alabama game, both halves, uh, started a little backed up a lot in the second half against NC State, and it appeared to me that they were backed up for a good part of the of the of the uh, uh, Wake Forest game, and right, wrong, or indifferent, it just changes Jimbo's thought process. Now, it set up a very dynamic play when Florida State had a punt downed uh, at the one yard line, right? And very next play came out with that sixty nine yard gallop uh, by Patrick. Uh, those are the types of things that you really like to see, getting you out of your the shadow of that end zone and 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 reversing that field very quickly. I love Patrick's comment after the game because uh, you had asked him, I think, about what was it like when he got through there and it was nothing but green grass. And he says, well, I'm not a sprinter. <laughs> so I didn't think I was going to make it. <laughs> well, and he didn't, but that was that was a big play. So, you know, we didn't talk about this in the offensive segment, but Florida State was most productive offensively when they went uh, two back and they went I form- formation. I mean, it, it was old school with a fullback and, and Patrick. And so to me, it was a little curious why at other times they, they went away from that. And Patrick, and William Floyd talks about this a lot, he just looks much more comfortable running out of the eye, going straight ahead. When they run him sideways first, he's not quick enough to cut and then turn back upfield. That's just not his game, and they they tried that with him, and it didn't work. Uh, they tried it with Cam Akers, and you know everybody talks about wanting to see Cam get the ball more, but he is making some very poor decisions in his cuts, and it's going to cost him some playing time because uh, Jimbo's not going to tolerate that. He had two or three plays that he tried to reverse field. One in particular, I think he lost 13 yards. Um, he's got to learn to plant a foot and get headed north and south. Right. When he does that, he's very effective. Uh, but he had a couple of mistakes, freshman mistakes, that I'm afraid is going to cost him some playing time, and rightfully so, uh, moving forward. Amir Rasul also got some touches. It was good to see that, but we haven't seen any of the other uh, running backs behind uh, behind those three. And But I, I do think you have to tip your cap to Patrick, who's a veteran, and uh, he, he said in the post game he's looking forward to his first go-round against Miami as the guy, if you will, because it's been the Dalvin show the last couple and, of years. And Vickers, Vickers got playing time as that up-back, as that, as that full-back. He didn't get any touches in the ballgame. Right. Uh, but I bet he had 20 snaps, and probably about 18 of them, he had some real good blocks trying to open up things out of that eye formation. We mentioned the... Uh, in terms of the special teams that you got to clean up a little bit because they still they took a couple timeouts. One thing I didn't say earlier in the uh, in the offensive segment related to timeouts, um, it was when Florida State had first and goal at the Wake Seven after that penalty or they were offsetting penalties, and Florida State ended up settling for a field goal. There was a delay penalty in there, and Jimbo 
opted to just take the delay because he was standing right next to the ref. He was trying to speed Blackman up, and instead of burning the timeout, uh, I think they were at the eight-yard line at that point, and he said, you know what, we'll just we'll just do third and goal from the 13, but I'll keep that timeout in my back pocket. That proved significant. Very significant uh, when they had to punt and keep uh, Wake Forest backed up. And, of course, uh, the, the, the winning play of the ball game was immediately after that, and we're going to take that to be our prime meridian bank performance of the game. And, of course, that's the 40-yard touchdown reception by Alden Tate. Uh, a great pass from Blackman. We've already talked about how he rolled out to his right, went one, two, three, hit him uh, on a deep post pattern, and uh, ended up being the, the winning score, if you will. If you're shopping for a home mortgage, try my bank for the best rate the first time. Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Prime Meridian Bank, member of FDIC, equal housing lender, MLS, NMLS number 393620. And that's our Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game. Way to go, Alton. All right, so now uh, we can turn our attention to Miami. Miami, we watched the game against Duke on Friday. Sort of wore Duke down. Uh, Duke just couldn't do much with Miami defense and this will be another huge test for Florida State uh, because Miami is very very good defensively and they're going to be feeling confident about that I mean I think they they see blood in the water because they know Florida State is struggling you go back and look at last year's game and and certainly winning that game helped that season uh, Florida State with two huge wins uh, down at uh, in uh, in Miami uh, first against the Hurricanes and then in the Orange Bowl against Michigan uh, you get a blocked extra point that keeps you out of overtime and so you escape if you will with a 2019 victory that uh, is going to resonate and and be something that uh, Mark Rick and his staff uh, will continue to talk to their kids about uh, Miami as you mentioned uh, really throttled Duke Duke a very good team in the ACC was undefeated going into that ball game Friday night. Uh, Rozier uh, throws the ball well. He's got just enough of a, of a running skills to, to, to make you uh, be cautious about him. They're getting a lot out of their running game. Uh, but uh, Miami's strength right now is that defense. And certainly uh, four or five games into the season now, uh, remember Miami had to miss games just like Florida State did because of the hurricane. Uh, they're anxious to to get after this Florida State offense, probably more than anything, anxious to get after a freshman quarterback that will be making start just number three in the ballgame. Yeah, when the schedule came out back in January, I really liked where the Miami game was because I knew they'd be breaking in a new quarterback and he wouldn't have played significant competition. It'd be game three at Doak. And then obviously the hurricane changed everything and Florida State's now playing a quarterback with even less experience than Miami's quarterback. So that is what it is. Let me ask you this, Keith, and we'll finish up on this. Thinking about the Miami game last year, uh, because it, Florida State followed that script or the script I'm about to mention in that game. And that is being behind by seven or ten points in the second quarter, it seems like every week. It was last week against NC State. It was yesterday against Wake Forest, last year against Miami. What does FSU have to do to start games better? And I know they had, they started with a kick return for a touchdown yesterday that was negated. You've got to have a big play. You've got to have a gash play on offense or you've got to create a turnover on defense. Those are the two scripts of how you jump out on a team quickly uh, and you get a seven or a ten-point margin early in the ballgame. Well, Florida State's longest run from scrimmage 
until Patrick reeled off that 69-yard run was 16. And Florida State had had no turnovers in the first two ball games. Uh, they got their first two in game number three. So the answer, some type of gash play on offense, and you've got to create a turnover or two on defense early. Yeah, and I guess we don't have time as we wrap things up to get into this. I'm, I'm going even beyond that. It, it just seems like they're not taking it to the other team early on. They're always they're, they're digging into a hole. So are they mentally and physically where they need to be? When toe meets leather, as Gene would say. Well, I, I, that's on the on the seniors. There's not a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, everybody talks about how you know the coaches didn't get them ready to play. The coaches don't get players ready to play from an enthusiasm standpoint. They get them ready to play from an X and O standpoint. Your seniors, your your leaders, get you ready from an enthusiasm play. We'll see what they do against an arch rival. We will talk Miami, Florida State football Wednesday night on Front Row Knowles. Florida State is in the win column with that victory over Wake Forest yesterday. Auden Tate, the hero, as the Seminoles prevail on the road in Winston-Salem. For Keith, I'm Tom. Have a great Sunday, and we'll talk to you in the middle of the week.